0: Welcome to another episode of Avatar The Last Korra. Now I gotta cut loose,
1: foot loose, kick off, off the Sunday, Sunday shoes. <laughs> please, Louise. We're doing
0: the foot loose episode, everybody. I didn't
1: realize it was please, Louise. I always thought it was like, geez, Louise. I guess that makes Well,
0: you know, these are the things you learn when you look up the, uh, the lyrics to Footloose <laughs> on Genius. Um, we're in book three, everybody. Are you excited? <laughs>
1: Woo! Book 3. I'm excited. I
0: actually I think Avatar Book 3 is is my favorite season of the show. Wait, I know you, that's sort of a
1: You literally a just,
0: controversial opinion.
1: No, I feel like you literally just said that like the season 2 was your favorite like the whole time.
0: Season 2 is my favorite finale. Okay. For sure. Okay. But I think that Book 3 is my favorite season overall. I think it's got a lot of just you know, great little character arc, wrapping's up, which oh, is you know sure. tends to be my favorite thing.
1: Yeah, like um, if, if you're looking at how to satisfactorily like close out a long running show or even a short running show, I would definitely look to Avatar season three. Uh, to, yeah, I to
0: mean people people shit on of, it because it's got a lot of filler, but it's some of the weirdest and most inventive filler that I've ever seen. I mean, like this season's just wild out. And, I mean, and, uh, what I other mean, what other show do you know that has both a Footloose parody and a parody of like The Rock or like The Great Escape? You know, like a prison break movie just right in the middle of the season. Right. I mean, it's wild. And also, and then it ends with like a play <laughs> making fun of itself. Yeah. Like this season is wild and out. It's, I'm I'm
1: for it. It's a victory lap, and it's a well deserved one, and I I love every minute of it. Um. But so we start yeah. we start off with Ang waking up. And he's on a Fire Nation ship, but he quickly realizes that oh, his friends and allies have captured a Fire Nation ship, and they're just sailing around Yeah, I mean a lot of
0: allies too. I mean, there's also the Duke and Pipsqueak are there.
1: We get the return of the Duke. Who?
0: But where the fuck is Sneers? (laughs) I'm so mad. Which
1: one was Sneers?
0: You asked me that the last time I brought him up. Where's Sneers? Justice for Sneers.
1: Hashtag justice for sneers. Um, yeah, no sneers in sight, but we got Pipsqueak and the Duke back. And we, we've got all the Water Tribe uh, folks, including Hakoda and Bato. And Bato. Um, and, and this episode is really about how Katara hates her dad. <laughs> I don't know
0: if that's what it's really about, I mean, but that is something that they introduced just for this episode and then never really brought back again. Well,
1: because they sort I, of resolve it at the end. He, like, says sorry. Well, because it's
0: interesting. I mean, on this rewatch, I, I did have kind of a different reaction to it than I normally do. Normally I'm like, this is so out of character for Katara. She doesn't hold grudges except for against, like, Zuko, who he she literally, like, blames for
1: And also you know, killing the guy who killed her mom.
0: Right, and the guy who killed her mom. But, like, this is, like, the whole point. It's, like, why would she hold grudges against family? You know, it just seems out of character. But then I, like, realize that she's in complete denial about those feelings for the, the most of the episode. Right. And it's that she's kind of experiencing, you know, abandonment issues... But she recognizes that they're irrational, and so she's trying to suppress them and, like, bottle them up. Right. Rather than just expressing them in, like, a healthy way and sharing that with her father. Right,
1: which she which does. Which I think is, a, you know,
0: ultimately how it ends up.
1: Yeah, yeah, which she, she definitely does at the at the end of the episode. Um, but so basically, we get Sokka sort of filling us in um, on everything that's happened post-escape from Ba Sang-se. Uh, and the big reveal is that the world thinks that he died, um, and so right, and
0: and he's so excited about it because it's such a soccer thing to be excited about. Right. It's a tactical advantage. Yeah, he's the pragmatist, and it's Katara, of course, who is more sympathetic to Aang's sort of difficulties that he's having with that, because you know, not only is he now like in hiding, uh, <laughs> but it, also everyone in the world thinks that he failed. And that the Avatar is a failure and sucks and that didn't prevent the Hundred Years' War and now lost the Hundred Years' War.
1: Right. Um, And so, you know, is dealing with that, is dealing with the trauma of, like, basically dying. Because I think we said in the last episode that Aang didn't die. But he sort of states at the beginning of this episode that he's like, I didn't just get hurt. I was gone. Like...
0: Right, I mean, it's sort of ambiguous wording. I, I, I would have just cut that line if I was editing this episode. You know, it's <laughs> right. like it doesn't add anything. Whether he died or was going to die, right. I mean, he certainly was not he's, doing too great being shot dead. by lightning. <laughs> right.
1: Um. But yeah. So it's so. To believe. <laughs> to believe. So that's what we've got going on um, with with the gang. But then we we get. Zuko returning to the Fire Nation and being wildly emo about it and I just love May's like dismissal of his I wonder what's changed, how I've changed and she's like, I just asked if you were cold. <laughs>
0: Like, yeah, I I just they're immediately all over each other. And I'm just like, cry, Zutara's cry some more. I I live for your tears.
1: Yeah, I fucking hate. Listen, I'm no Zutara, but I fucking hate May and Zuko. It's mostly because it just (laughs) came out of nowhere. You know, there's like the one scene in a flashback where they like kind of blush at each other.
0: Yeah. But what what obligation does Zuko have to explain to you who he has a crush on? (laughs)
1: None, but the you know, show. Writers. This is just the
0: girl that she that he's always liked. Zuko's official you know, sort of character, pleasantly, <laughs>
1: whose, whose reality is constructed by humans in our world who are like, no, you don't need to see anything about them. You know, well, the whole point, point is that it's a
0: twist. You I know, guess. the whole point is that it's a subversion of your expectations yeah. because everybody after that one scene in the in the finale was like, oh my god. Zuko and Katara are totally, you know, canon final shit. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's like, but
0: you know, they had to just subvert that and sort of make you
1: a dagger to the heart after that finale. Right. I mean, it
0: makes it seem like it's he's definitely going to have a redemption arc. So they need to make you doubt that he's going to have a redemption arc. Right. So give him a love interest in the Fire Nation. It makes it all the more likely that he has like a connection to stay there. I mm-hmm. think it's good. I think it's good plotting.
1: Right. I. I... I understand tactically what it's doing, but the right. the small shipper in it my heart just is like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we get a lot of uh, Fire Nation exposition from the evil twin grandmas who hang out with uh, Azula. And they're like, the, the Dai Li brought down the balls of Ba Sing Se, and... We've conquered the city, and it's great. And we see all of our our favorite people crying in the Earth Kingdom. And then we find yeah, out that the Earth Kingdom. I just googled King... it.
0: Their names are Lo and Lee. Lo and so Lee. We'll always know that.
1: That's, I hope I remember it. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So so quickly on on back at the Aang side of things. We realized we didn't even
0: mention that Aang yeah. has hair now. Oh, yeah, right? Aang very has important.
1: Hair. I, that's the first well, it's, note it's that super... I wrote, and I didn't say it. Like, I should quit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's super important because, um, we also get like the idea that he has to cover his arrow if he wants to go into town, mm-hmm. which, which sort of conjures mythically, you know, the idea of hiding your religion, hiding your culture in order to integrate and, uh, and you know, losing your identity. To, you know, to the, the global empire. Um, very, very interesting, like, in terms of imagery, the fact that he does cover his arrow for most of this, uh, for the first half of this season.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, but also it's just kind of practical, you, you know, like, sure. Right, but they, they
0: don't, they don't just do it. They, they make a big deal out of it. He has yeah. to go through an entire arc of this episode in order to accept that he needs to go into hiding.
1: Well, Right, so so very quickly, their ship is uh, confronted by another Fire Nation ship, who's suspicious of them, um, and confirmed. Toph has amazing hearing; she hears guards whispering across an entire boat, uh, and basically is and like, she goes, they know, they know,
0: <laughs> our cover's blown.
1: Get them!" And so then everyone else gets to attack and do something, and you know, Sokka has to keep pulling Aang back and be like, "No, stay hidden." Yeah, ourselves. have we
0: really done like a like a hardcore naval battle like this before? I don't think we have.
1: I'm trying to think. Like we've definitely fought on ships. We've fought people before. on
0: boats, we fought people like near water, but we haven't had like a naval battle I mean, where it's all I about getting say... the ship and maneuvering it.
1: I would say we've had some with like Zuko trying to break through the blockade in in season one. Yeah, I
0: guess that's fair. Um, but this is really cool. I mean, I love it. it that, you know, Katara when when a hole gets punched in the hull of the ship, she like freezes it to plug up the leak. Right. And uh, you know, she's like water bending to put out fires and uh, you know, tough is like the cannon on the ship because <laughs> she can throw rocks really hard. Right. It's cool. And then they lift a big fog cover. is really doing most of the heavy lifting, Yeah, I guess. Katara
1: does a great job. But it, it's one of the things that I really like about um, this particular scene is the fact that it really showcases that, you know, Aang is, throughout the whole season, is sort of going to deal with this idea that he needs to take on the Fire Lord alone and that, you know, he can't necessarily... Doesn't want to count on his friends or can't count on his friends for whatever reason. But I, I love that this scene really showcases what his allies can do, um, and you know, like who yeah. who he's working with, and that like everyone's really freaking powerful. If you weren't already aware, you know, like if, if you were coming into Avatar in in this season for whatever reason, you would understand immediately that like okay, this kid's got some powerful allies.
0: That is very true. <laughs> um so i mean i think the weakest part of the episode is the big finale where uh ang in in an attempt to reclaim his honor uh just sort of leaves the ship and abandons his friends because he feels like he has to fight the fire lord alone and Mm. he's going somewhere
1: (laughs) yeah it's not clear
0: he he goes into, he flies directly into a big storm and then goes under a big Fire Nation blockade. And he's like drowning in the storm and he's like, I give up, I give up.
1: And then he gets but like then, a spirit pep talk from Roku and also UA just like comes. It's and... an odd
0: pair, but I ship it.
1: <laughs> the age difference is a little, ooh. um. <laughs> but well they're
0: both just immortal I, spirit I gods now. I
1: know. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're basically like, listen, Aang, I, I kind of loved um uh shoot, what's what's his name? Um Roku. Roku. I, I kind of loved Roku's uh, conversation with Aang because it just felt like a boomer talking to a Zoomer being like, listen, man, I fucked up really bad, but um, it's up to you to fix it. Good luck. I believe in you. You can do it, yeah. Greta Thunberg. <laughs> like, save the world. <laughs> Uh, right
0: and so then they end up on this yeah. crescent volcano island and then all of his friends show up too
1: yeah i don't but know how, how do they, they
0: find him
1: i had that question too my guess is they're on appa and appa just like i know where i is
0: i guess that's true he kind of can smell things but it's like this guy has just been washed out of the drink all
1: <laughs> right he's and gonna he just washed
0: up on an island pretty
1: salty um, but basically, his glider gets destroyed, so, you know, he also symbolically sort of plants that in the lava and lets it be consumed and is sort of like, for now, I'll agree to play dead and, you know, give up yeah. the and so then, that's of the, that life.
0: That's the real problem to me with him, like, running away and going into the storm is it's, like, symbolic, but it doesn't make sense on a practical level. right? Like... It's there because it has to symbolically destroy his glider and his connection to his past. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really, like, make sense on its own. And him, like, burning his glider only makes sense because it's already destroyed. Right. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, and and, and the storm, it's like, where is he flying to in this storm? It's, it's interesting. But, right, uh, like,
1: he's trying to fly directly yeah. to... The Fire Lord? Like, does he know where that is? Is he just, like, I think he's just trying to go
0: away from his friends somewhere where he can hide out and, like, shave his head, maybe. I don't know. He just needs, like, a quiet place to Um, shave.
1: But there's, when he he says his whole, you know, I need to redeem myself, I I need my honor back, um, it literally just, like, cuts to, you know, it's framed on one half of Aang's face and then it cuts to, you know, Zuko's face with the scar. Um, and it's like, the parallels, right. guys. See him.
0: And so while he's there, apparently, um, you know, he he meets with uh, with uh, Fire Lord Ozai, and we see his face for the first time.
1: Yeah, we get...
0: The face reveal.
1: We get the face reveal. It's a pretty normal-ass face. Um, right,
0: which was, I mean, it was surprising. Like, you yeah. expected him to have a sort of grimaced you know, wrinkly sort of ugly emperor face, right. but he just, he's just kind of like a handsome king.
1: Yeah. He's just a king dude who looks pretty normal, kind of handsome, um, voiced by Mark Hamill. Delightful.
0: Right. His voice is pretty evil, I guess. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> he does. It's it's serious... not totally like
0: don't judge a book by its cover.
1: Right. Right. But we've heard his evil voice before, you know, um, That's it's true. been just a voice from the shadows. Um, yeah. But anyway, so, you know, Zuko has his little meeting with the Fire Lord, and it's like he finds out that Azula told the Fire Lord that he was the one who killed the Avatar because Azula sensed that Zuko had doubts about whether or not Aang was truly dead. And so she's basically, like, trapped him into this corner where, you know, one... Yeah, she's
0: playing both sides. Right.
1: Where he either feels sort of indebted to her for, you know, giving him his honor back so like full fledged and you know taking a back seat on this one um, or he's going to take the fall when it's eventually revealed that the avatar is alive um, which you know it's a smart move on Azula's part like it, it's yep. she, she knows what she's but doing but
0: I question the director of this episode's decision to make that scene so sexually charged
1: oh the one where she's in the bedroom and like he yeah. like, bursts in. Was yeah. that sexually charged?
0: Maybe I'm just you know my brain is broken. I mean I like,
1: I have to say it's no more or less sexually charged than uh, Lin and Su Yin saying I love you to each other in Korra. Like.
0: Okay. Well. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Uh, I'm just saying, like. She's just, like, in her, you know, sleeping robe yeah. and just kind of, like, strutting around yes. the bedroom and, like...
1: Being slinky as she is.
0: Yeah. It's just a weird tone to set for that scene. Right. Um,
1: for sure. Um,
0: but, yeah. But,
1: yeah. So, that's so that's I, basically awakening. That's, that's I, our first I think, overall, back.
0: this is, like, the best setup for a season that we've gotten so far. Yeah. You know, like... The, the beginning 2 part of book one is, you know, solid, but it doesn't necessarily set up the main conflicts. It doesn't set up, you know, where the characters are because, you know, we're still establishing who they are. Right. Um, and then the start of book two is just, like, you know, the Avatar state and, like, why that's <laughs> bad to do the Avatar state.
1: Right. Or, well, I mean, that is the conflict of the season, you know, is Aang mastering sure, Avatar state.
0: Sure, but... It, but it's just—it's not really like a good tone setter for the rest of the season. It doesn't feel connected.
1: Uh, oh, right. This feels
0: very connected to the tone of the rest of the season. And even though there was a lot of angst in this one, that doesn't last. But it does sort of hover over all the actions of the characters. And so yeah. I think it's a really solid opening.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I would totally agree. And then we get Footloose. Um,
0: Footloose. Oh my God, it's so good.
1: It's, it's <laughs> delightful. Like you know, we have this really—it's great. We have this moody opener for, for season three, but then boom, episode two, no, nope, we're just doing footloose. We, we get a fun yeah. outfit change, you know, there's lots of jokey jokes. Right. I mean, Sokka it's great. Katara. We did an outfit change
0: for season two as well because, you know, it was going from sort of winter to spring. Right. And so everybody sort of, you know, put on their short sleeve shirts. <laughs> um Right. But now we really need new outfits, uh, and it, it's cool, you know, to have new outfits in your last season because you're so familiar with the characters. Now you can, you know, recognize them even in different outfits. And I love these outfits; they're great. They
1: are really great outfits, um, and I, you know, I love everyone getting ready and like getting accessories. And you know, Katara gets a cool crop top that Aang is Gaga <laughs> over. It's great. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, and
0: she has to hide her necklace and replace it with, like, more of a fire vendor looking,
1: yeah. Right. Um, I do love that they just steal clothes. Like, they have, like, ten seconds of a moral dilemma about it, but they're like, nah, fuck it. Like, let's just take the clothes. Well, yeah, it's like, how do
0: you go shopping, you know, in, like, water vendor clothes? You can't do it.
1: Right, exactly. Um, and... I- this was the episode that really just reminded me just like how expressive everyone's faces are in season three. Like the art is just like going off the walls cause they had so much time to work on this. Yeah, part.
0: I really do feel like book book three is the best animation wise. For I sure. also think that they've really refined dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think they understand the character relations enough that, that now the dialogue is snappier. Oh it's, yeah. The jokes land better. The performances are better. I mean, in the last episode we didn't really talk about it, but like, Aang's delivery is really solid. And, and Mae Whitman as Katara, when she's you know, delivering her sad monologue to Daddy, yeah. is, like, extremely, like, I- impactful. You, yeah, I mean, for you,
1: a... you super, you definitely feel it. Um, yeah, so, so just, like, on a production level so far, this season's off to such a good start. Um, yeah. And basically, you know, Aang accidentally steals a school uniform and so gets thrown into school and sort of tries to convince... <laughs> Saka Katara, they like, no, I'll get all this info on the Fire Nation. I should totally go to school, but he's just kind of having fun, right. like being a kid. Um, you know. He gets- and I think it's
0: really interesting that he's, uh, you know, identified as a colonial mm. because he doesn't understand the customs of the mainland. Right. And there's like a class aspect to that. that For sure. Because he's from the colonies, he's lower class. Right. And, uh, you know,
1: he's, he's less... everyone
0: sort of makes fun of him for being in this nice private school.
1: <laughs> right. He's less well-mannered. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't know what's what.
0: So in addition to, you know, sort of being othered because he's from the colonies, they, um, you know, they also talk about how history is sort of decided by the winners, how, you know... The the specific ways that we interpret history are defined by our cultural upbringing. So when they talk about the extermination of the Airbenders, they describe it as the defeating of the Airbender army.
1: Right, and and the whole um, you know the lesson unit is called the Great March of Civilization, which honestly sounds like something out of like a nineteen fifties U.S. textbook. <laughs> On history, yeah, no, it's
0: totally believable. You know that this imperialist power would have these sort of educational structures it's, to, it's, you know, get people it's, indoctrinated early.
1: It's manifest destiny. You know, they say the pledge of allegiance. Uh, yeah. It's the the national oath. They, you yep. know, talk of all all of the activities are sort of focused around like loving the Fire Nation and all of these just really nationalistic. Uh, beliefs and and practices and and codes of conduct, um, and it's it's just like so there, you know, it's so clearly there. and I just want anyone who's watched this show to just like take a second and internalize that before they make comments in, in our I, new
0: world. Uh, I really I really like it. I uh, I think that you know this show has a much better understanding of of politics than. You know, Legend of Korra, which mm-hmm. aims to be more, you know, uh, adult, m- more mature, but ends up showing a very immature idea that it's just well, there are some systems that are good and some systems that are bad, and we have to be able to identify those. This is more subtle. It's the way that we internalize the systems that we grow up in determine our relationship to them.
1: Oh, right. I-, I totally agree. I do love um, that you know Aang keeps getting in trouble for misbehaving or not knowing the rules of the school, and you know he he's supposed to bring his parents in to talk to the headmaster. So we get a great scene where uh, Sokka and Katara have to pretend to be his parents, and Sokka puts on a beard, and Katara like stuffs her dress like she's pregnant, and it's
0: right. I mean, this is delightful. kind of what. Yeah, this is kind of what I mean when I say like they've fully understood the, the roles of the of the group uh-huh. Uh-huh. and so now feel comfortable sort of playing with them. Like, yeah, Sokka has always been the dad of the group. Uh Qatar has always been the mom. Uh and so it just makes sense to sort of externalize that and have them pretend to be his parents. <laughs> and You know, so Sokka's like, you know, when I get you home, I'm going to punish you something fierce. And then, you know, when he actually does get home, he can't even break out of the role. He still has the beard on. right? And he still says, go to your room.
1: (laughs) He technically leaves the the episode with the beard still on. Um, It's
0: permanently glued to his face. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, And I, I also love that the reform school... Uh, for for bad kids is literally just a coal mine. Like, it's just child labor.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. That's pretty believable as well. Uh,
1: but so basically, Aang finds out that they don't do dancing here. And so yeah. he's like, We gotta dancing's
0: illegal in this town. We
1: gotta give them a cultural experience, a cultural event, and we'll do a dance party. And so yeah. they do. And it's great
0: because because Aang remembers the culture of the Fire Nation a or er, a hundred years ago, and so he still talks like he's you know, sort of from their version of like the nineteen twenties. <laughs> he's like <laughs> right. Flamio, my good hotman
1: stain. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: and so he also remembers, you know, sort of the classic dances that they used to have, you right. know, their version of the Charleston or whatever, which is like the Fire Fire
1: Phoenix.
0: Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix flight something. Yeah. Um. But it's great. And then he also knows how to dance in Basingse style. And he knows how to dance freestyle. Mm-hmm. And it's uh it's great. And he has it's a, a dance party. He
1: does. They have a dance party, and you know. Him being dancing or being good at dancing impresses all the girls, and the boys are like, "Oh shit! I want to impress girls. I should dance." So then everyone starts dancing, and then Aang and Katara right. It's both dance. Right, it's
0: both a cultural and a sexual awakening for the all kids in this private school. Kids, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And then Aang and Katara have a very sexually charged d- dance that is great. It's it's beautifully animated. Um,
0: Yeah, they're sort of like sparring, but also dancing, and it seems very choreographed, but I don't know, maybe they just are that good, I
1: don't know. Yeah, I mean, they've spent like almost more than a year dueling basically each other almost exclusively, you know, like training with each other. Right. It would kind of make sense that... It is
0: the most sweaty scene of the (laughs) whole show.
1: (laughs) Like I said, it's really sexually charged, it's very sweaty, um... (laughs) In in the Zuko end of the world, basically he keeps yeah. visiting Uncle Iroh and like yelling at him because he's having like sad times about yeah. having betrayed So we've, him. we
0: brought this up briefly when we mentioned the the you know the tragic passing of Mako the um the voice the actor. voice actor who played uh, who played Iro. Um, that in the meantime, while they were trying to sort of bridge the gap between the two uh, voice actors, Mako and his apprentice, um, he sort of kept the character silent so that you would sort of forget what it used to sound like.
1: (laughs) It doesn't work, but it's... I don't know, I think it kind of
0: works. It's like, I I would believe that this is a strategy that he's using to sort of starve Zuko of advice after giving him so much advice for so long. Yeah. um, To starve him of it. And make him realize that that he needs that, and that he actually does prefer Iroh's advice and lack of judgment of him mm-hmm. to his father's complete judgment of him, whether it's positive or negative.
1: Right. Um, and yeah, so so you know you know he's trying to do that, and Azula sort of warns him like, "Hey, stop visiting Uncle. It looks like you're colluding with him." Um, and, we, right. and we he's alf- like,
0: "Okay, well I'll I'll keep visiting him, <laughs> but I'll also hire an assassin to go kill the Avatar." His
1: um, so he hires Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man, uh, who's basically at the same uh like head explosion firepower that uh we see in Korra this season with Pale Palee. Paley. P- no, Paley, yeah. Yeah. Um
0: yeah, I mean he's sort of a non defined character, which was okay in Avatar because, right. you know, there was new stuff being introduced all the time. Right. And so he's just this weird like cyborg dude uh, terminator because he's got like metal arms and legs Yeah,
1: he's also got like no lines you know I don't think he says right he doesn't speak but you know
0: yeah maybe if he opens his mouth he explodes like (laughs) we don't know Um, uh it's totally believable that this type of bender exists and that we haven't seen him before but that you know we and and that we don't get an explanation of it like that's believable as well. Mm-hmm. What's weirder is that we don't get an explanation for it in Korra. Right. We have the opportunity to bring it up again
1: when you would think it would make a lot of sense to actually explain it, but alas. Um, right. so the the Zuko part of this episode also has like the best line. This is the part where I was like, okay, this is so fucking cringy, but I kind of love it anyway. Is, um, yeah. I know <laughs> you're so beautiful when you hate the world. I don't hate you. I don't hate you too. I don't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, stop. what is this parody of emo stop. kids? It's so bad. um, but yeah but it is
0: what it is I you know I think they would be the kind of people who would love cheesy emo tape. Oh, they
1: totally would. They would be so sad to see what Brendan Yuri has become these days. <laughs> uh, I have high,
0: high hopes for eleven um. <laughs> Yeah. The uh the ending I think is one of the strongest parts of this episode. Yeah. Which is um, you know, the 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 big bed you know, kid. dean of the school shows up to sort of break up the party. the jack kid narcs uh, on him. Yeah. The guy who was like really defensive about this is my girlfriend. You don't get to talk to my girlfriend.
1: <laughs> it's the jack kid, you know, we gotta throw in some classic school kid. school troops um yeah but yeah and then they just do spartacus um, but with headbands yeah and it's great they do it it's yeah wonderful. so like they're
0: looking for the kid with the headband who's causing all the trouble but then everyone's got their belt turned into a headband right that was something we didn't really set up but yeah you guys remember but
1: it's it's fine
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: um I, david can you believe they did both footloose and spartacus in the same episode
0: well, yeah, I think I haven't I haven't seen Footloose in a while, but don't they do something similar to that oh, where he gets they? away at the end? I, I
1: don't I've I been no a long idea. time since
0: I've seen Footloose.
1: I've never actually watched it. I just know the scene where he dances in the warehouse and then the song. That's
0: true. That's it. He cuts Footloose.
1: Footloose. All right. Um, well, that's the end of the happy portion of our podcast, folks. Um, if you don't want to hear us rant for probably another hour. Tune out now. Uh, tweet at us at Talking Tropes. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Um, hi, guys. Right. So
0: this is basically a three-parter, and I would <laughs> characterize it as such. Yeah. It's the it's the three-part finale to the, to the season. For sure. And even though there was a lot of continuity between the other episodes, these feel way more connected.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's just one event linked directly to another.
0: Right. Um, so we start off with some riots.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Because because this is this is what happens immediately and instantly when uh the ruler of a country is is dead is that all of the police and the secret police just quit <laughs> and don't do anything. Right. And then everybody just riots and starts burning things down. Yeah. Not totally realistic.
1: No. Nope.
0: But um, you know, hey, whatever. It's a kids show, but it's not. It's trying to be mature. It's Ugh.
1: trying to be mature um, and I hate it. Can't it stop.
0: Yeah. Um, so, whereas Aang is like, I can't leave behind these children without helping them, you know, Mako and, uh, and Bolin are just like, this isn't our fight. Let's just leave.
1: <laughs> I mean, it really takes Bolin being like, hey, maybe we should stop for our family. Like, Mako was ready to just, like, peace out completely. Peace He's like, bye. Out. Um, and then, like, the grandma. I am a
0: cop, he says. <laughs> I'm a cop. Give me this airship. I'm commandeering this airship, he yeah, says.
1: Yeah, he does. Um,
0: He's such a cop
1: He's such a cop But yeah, so they they pick up their whole big family But the grandma doesn't want to leave I guess Because she wants to die in a burning house Um, Is it
0: a metaphor? Is it a Is it a metaphor maybe?
1: Oh, maybe It's a stupid one I hate it She takes the Earth Queen picture with her When they finally carry her out of the house
0: Rest in peace, Earth Queen boy I'm brainwashed and that is the role of my character yep
1: so then um everyone reunites at the spirit oasis and Lynn has but the they best
0: don't start by checking the spirit oasis this really bothers me because the, a lot of this is based on like timing like the only reason the plot works is because of the timing of it and it bothers me that Bolin and Mako in their airship decide to retrace every single one of the steps of them in the desert assuming that they'd I guess just stay there yeah. Like why would like what are they looking for? Like Korra and Asami's dead corpses, like starved and like and and like dying of thirst in the desert?
1: Right. Like it's it's pretty dumb. Um, like if
0: they're still in the desert, they're probably dead at this point. So yeah. just go straight to Misty Palms and see if they're but listen, there. This is, this
1: is this is like a minimal sin. Of all of the sins sure. of this this final trilogy. right, I'm trilogy. sorry. I,
0: I, take, I've, I rescind my ding. But anyway, <laughs> they show up at Misty Palms, yeah, and then Bolin the is line. awkward and cringy around Zuko yeah. for some reason. I don't know why he even gives a shit about Zuko. He didn't care about meeting the Earth Queen.
1: No, it's because he's a member of the gang, and everyone is just like, oh, my God, the gang. Blah, blah, blah. And then just, like, die on sight um but yeah. but and there's
0: more akko mako when he's reunited with katara or sorry kora and asami
1: <laughs> yeah and also his grandma just really makes it like way worse you know
0: right it's very funny because she's like why don't you date these beautiful girls and it's like because they're gay
1: because <laughs> it's because they're gay Um, And also, he's tried to date both of them. And like, we really, I literally just wrote, Mako's grandma blows. Um, But Lin had the best line when they all reunite. And she just goes, good, you guys aren't dead. I'm like, excellent. That's exactly the level of enthusiasm this deserves. Right. (laughs) I'm on board. Um, It's
0: really interesting because the next scene that happens is that they go to Fu to get a radio to go tell... Um, to to contact the airbenders. Right. That was like a really weird scene to me. And it also bothers me because again, like time is of the essence. Why not just go like straight there? Yeah. And if you don't get to send them a warning in time, you don't, but at least you're there.
1: Right. And they end up not being able to get them a warning in time because they fuck around. And like, of course, plot wise, the minute Korra gets the message to Tenzin that Zaheer is on his way, like he's like yeah, Oops. I'll
0: believe in coincidences.
1: Oopsie, they hear. It just bothers
0: me. Yeah, oopsie. But I think it's interesting. Like this scene almost like beat for beat happens also in Attack of the Clones. You know, Star Wars <laughs> yeah. Episode Two, where they're like on this planet and they're like, uh, I need to send a message. Oh, it's too far. Let well, let me send a message to the Jedi and I'll tell them to relay a message to Anakin. Wait, where? It just goes on for so long just to try and, like, send a simple message, like, let's meet at this planet. Right. And it just, like, it's so frustrating as, like, a writing technique to just be, like, just have everybody go to the place. It doesn't matter how they get there.
1: <laughs> All right. Especially if, like, your story isn't about, wow, it's really hard to communicate well across distances, you know? like
0: Right. That's not what the story's about. That's
1: not <laughs> what this is about. So, like, why why are we just throwing this in needlessly? There's so many other actual complicating factors to this and you're just like making right. up nonsense. Um but yeah, so then Zahir's goonies are attacking all of the the airbenders and trying to round them up. Um and there's one scene where Zahir um and and the other two guys who aren't police <laughs> whose names I'm forgetting at the moment. Uh, jump out of the airship, and they're the ones attacking the airbenders. And it's like police standing in like a doorway, like shooting her mind laser at the other airbenders. Yeah,
0: I mean it makes sense because she has the big best range.
1: David, who's flying flying the airship? David. Well, we
0: can assume that it's we can assume that it's one of the hooded figures that we see later, <laughs> oh, but it's it's true. not really explained. It's also possible that they have some kind of primitive autopilot system. I mean, it does seem like it's just kind of circling in the air, but
1: yeah, it's
0: not really like but doing it, anything. It does I don't always know. show up. I'll, I'll grant that.
1: Yeah, I did. What not... bothers
0: me is is uh, the character stuff, yeah. which the whole point is that the struggle for Korra in this episode is the ultimatum is. Should I turn myself over to Zaheer because he promises to release all the airbenders and not kill any of them? Right. And, like, she's, like, asking for advice about it. She, you know, goes into the spirit world to meditate about it and meets Iroh there. Oh
1: God. Why? This I hate because she goes in there... To, like, try to find Zaheer or something, but ends up finding Iroh, who doesn't actually give her advice, but is like, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to Zuko. He knew Avatar Aang super well. but right. <laughs> it's like, telephone, again, like, with the radio. Right. And then
0: Zuko is like, uh, well, uh, I don't know, he'd, he'd probably have a really tough time making this decision, too. I think you're fine.
1: <laughs> right, like, just so unhelpful. Like, well, he
0: really cares about the airbenders, but uh, he also, you know, uh, really cares about his duty to the world. So I guess, uh, you know,
1: it's dealer's to. choice. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, God. It's just so rough. Um, and there's some good fight scenes with the, the Red Lotus... And, and right, the, but the
0: one between Boomy and Gazan is is extremely unfair matchup. Yeah, it I mean, really Bumi is. is. Like a brand new uh, airbender who's also like in his late sixties, right. and has like a broken back. <laughs> and Gazan is like a young-ish sort of well trained, uh, you know, lava bender right. who's all, been difficult to defeat even for our well trained heroes. Yeah, that's a little unfair. It's
1: definitely unfair. But, like you know, Boomy's supposed to be like a a general or something in the right, army. Right, but
0: that doesn't make him a good hand to hand combat that's guy. True. He's a strategist.
1: That's true. That's true. Um, Just then
0: give then, then a you gun. know we're trying to lead. <laughs> give him a gun. Give Boomi a gun,
1: gun, Jesus.
0: <laughs> um. So then everybody's trying to escape. All the other Airbenders are trying to escape uh, the Air Temple and the the police in the uh, airship is too busy like blasting you know there's no way to get out um she scares you know, which makes off all sense if you've got a giant eight. if you've got a giant like missile launcher rpg <laughs> in in a in the sky it's going to be kind of hard to like leave by air oh yeah for um, sure but then we've got kai Mikaze is what i wrote
1: oh no he's
0: a he's a kaimakaze oh no <laughs> so he sort of sacrifices himself
1: to try to uh, let everyone escape and he fails
0: yeah he just sort of flies directly into into her line of fire and she's like immediately like okay i guess i'll shoot you instead (laughs) and then he gets blown up and starts plummeting to his death yeah and janora's like kai
1: no no." (laughs) i know i don't understand why the words were in that order and why the performance was the way
0: it was. It's a bad. It's a weird line read. I, you know, I'm willing to brush it off.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: It's also a really weird end to the episode because it's also. Well, um, that's it's not like
1: quite the end. It's
0: right. Well, I mean, it, it then cuts to um to Tenzin fighting off all three of them, and he's like, "As long as I'm breathing, you will not have won." And then he sort of collapses. And it kind of looks like he dies.
1: No, no, no. The, he, like, is up against a wall. And the three of them just start, like, wailing on him. And, like, I remember yeah. when that happened. And I watched it the first time. I was like, holy shit. That's, like, very intense. Yeah. And I have the same feeling again this time. Like, Tenzin standing there beaten and battered and, like, refusing to back down even though he's clearly going to lose. Like, like I got to give it to Tenzin. You know? Like... He, Hell yeah, man. <laughs> but
0: I just feel like he should definitely be dead at this point. Like, I, mean, I don't understand why he's still alive.
1: I, I, I don't know. It's, he says, as
0: long as I'm still breathing, I won't stop fighting. Yeah. And then that isn't what happens.
1: That's true. That's true. It's a bad line. Um... Right.
0: And then, so then the next shot and the last shot of the episode is we just see that Kai survived an explosion <laughs> And then a free fall of a hundred feet by his foot catching on a branch
1: dude. that was hanging
0: off of the cliff.
1: Like, Korra gets, like, bumped around a billion cliff sides in, like, the next two episodes and is fine. So, like, clearly they just don't care about what falls do to human bodies anymore. You know?
0: They're just like, I mean, fuck it. Just, it- I mean, like, she's in the Avatar state. I don't know, maybe that makes you magic, but, like... But it
1: doesn't make your like, bones unbreakable, like...
0: Who knows? Maybe it does, but, like, being poisoned. Kai is a normal-ass human yeah. being who gets hit by an explosion directly. We see it. And then he plummets out of the sky, and then his foot catches on a branch, and that stops him from falling at terminal velocity.
1: I guess, or I feel like it's sort of implied that his his little bison also had something to do with it, but I, I can't no, really No, the bison tell. just
0: finds it him just hanging finds him. there. It's a bad shot, and it's a weird end to an episode. Yeah. It's not really a cliffhanger. It's not really... It's it, it's yeah. just like nothing. It's just a nothing end to an episode. So basically... I guess that's because we're supposed to watch all three of these together. Uh,
1: yeah. So, you know... <laughs> um. Kai flies off into the sunset, and then we basically. All, Book all three, this,
0: episode twelve: Enter the Void.
1: And this is that that thing that what was it, Guru La, Lakshima? Lahima Lahima, um, Lahima,
0: <laughs> Guru Lakshmi. <laughs> I
1: think we've made that joke before. Um, uh, yeah, what what Guru Lahima. Uh, his like become air poem meditation thing like this is, this is the end result of it where, um, the here flies he can just fly at he can the fly end of this.
0: he can fly he can
1: fly he thought happy thoughts or maybe really sad thoughts, who knows he thought
0: no thoughts the whole point is that he became <laughs> completely detached from the earth you know sort of like, ang becoming detached from his earthly tethers in, right. Uh, the book two finale. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, I mean, that part isn't like the thing that bothers me, although it does look really silly. Yeah. It's a very silly look that he can just sort of whiz around the sky like Superman (laughs) while like everybody else is, you know, can still, everybody else can still fly. It's just, they have to use air bending or like fire bending to do it, but everybody else can fly. So it's not really like a big deal that he can fly. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. It's it's a little bit jarring, um, and, and feels very outside the rules of the Avatar universe. You know, it's like I buy it, but it it's still a little weird. Um, but yeah, so Right, but we have
0: to establish why he can't fly first, so that we get, get the reason, which is that he loves Paley too much. He
1: loves his tall he, lady. So he lover. the short guy
0: hugs the tall girl. It's cute. Yeah.
1: I, I do love their... And she
0: mentions, oh, you saved me from becoming that warlord's killer as a girl once.
1: So now I'm your and that's killer. that's all
0: we will ever know about Pulley.
1: Yeah. Like, but also it's like, and she's like, "I now I know what true freedom is. And it's like, murdering a bunch of people for another guy's cause? Like... <laughs> Uh, okay, sure, I guess But they
0: love each other,
1: yeah, sure we, I can't disagree because we don't see enough, you know, it's like yep. disagreeing with May loving zuko we we don't see enough and then either we get way. to
0: right, and then we get to the real point of tension and, and and the real dramatic question that's in my mind, which is, will Asami do anything?
1: She's done some stuff. She has she like that picks whole... a lock. She does pick a lock with a hairpin in this episode, which I'm kind of and like. And then she. Oh boy.
0: And then she carries Tensit, which anyone could do.
1: Anyone could I mean, do it.
0: Mako could do it. Mm hmm. So she doesn't really contribute.
1: No. But she well, could
0: get you know she could pilot something there's a lot of things that need piloting in this episode she could she could be in a mech suit doing stuff she could be she, i don't know she does just like zap
1: some people with her electric hand at some point it's not, it doesn't matter.
0: Like, she doesn't do anything to, to really assist. Right. She doesn't have a role in this one. She doesn't fight anybody one-on-one right. or two-on-one. So
1: so basically this episode is just a ton of different fight scenes happening simultaneously. Um, right. And, you know, they try to rescue the air nomads, but it's a tricky trap, I guess. Um,
0: right. And so now Cora's in platinum chains, which, as we remember, is my favorite plot point, which is that metal benders can't break platinum. That would be crazy ludicrous.
1: Just can't do it. Um, it's too
0: pure.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but so... She's in chains, and, like, her dad's fighting, and everyone's fighting. Right, and, fighting. like, the,
0: all the airbenders have already been taken somewhere else. Right. Because we, there was this really, like, this really confusing bait-and-switch that they did, where they, like, took all of the clothes of the airbenders and put them on ice sculptures that, yeah. that, that Ming-Hua made.
1: And then she, it's like... a very
0: elaborate bait-and-switch. I'm surprised that anyone would fall for it, though, because... <sighs> I mean, it seems like pretty. Cl- it seems like you'd be able to tell yeah. that they're not people. Like they're not moving.
1: Right. It 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 seems pretty dumb. And like she melts it immediately. Like once they like squint at it, she's like, heh, gotcha." Um. And and yeah. I'm. It's also sort of like I still don't understand quite why he wanted to capture all of the air nomads. You know. Like, was he going to try to... I mean, it's
0: just as a, it's just as a, as a chit, you know, as a, as a thing to get Korra and to make sure that nobody tries to steal Korra back while they're trying to kill her, you know? Right. Oh, you can't, you can't rush in and save Korra from me trying to kill her because I have, uh, the airbenders as well being held hostage. Okay. Um... But it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's no. not a very cohesive evil plan. It's just I'm going to kidnap a bunch of people and then I'm going to use them as leverage to capture another person and then I'm going to kill that person all and right. then presumably let all the people go.
1: Yeah. I guess. Um,
0: so anyway, Gazan is really doing the heavy lifting in this uh, scene. He <laughs> tries to melt the entire mountain.
1: Yeah, he, and he does a pretty good job of like half melting half of it. Like,
0: yep, and then every single character gets thrown off a cliff. Um, yep. Uh, B- but Boomy does, Kaya does, uh, Cora's dad Tanrock does. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets thrown off a cliff. Cora's dad specifically gets saved by a character named Kuvira.
1: Yes. Uh, who we
0: saw briefly in Zaofu <laughs> in like one.
1: I had, like, one line right, where she, she was like, like, I didn't do it. She was, re- I, I think, referred to as Captain or something. And then, you know, this time he's like, oh, thank you, Captain. She's like, you can call me Kuvira. And stares into the middle distance as the camera zooms in on her face. Right. And it's I like, wonder if this
0: character will be a major <laughs> character.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Oh, they had um, ideas.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, of course, Cora is having some trouble fighting because she is in chains. But I think it's kind of cool watching her fight in chains. Yeah. I think it's one of the, the better things of the episode.
1: I love Tonrock saving her, too. Like, like I'll, I'll give the episode this. A lot of the fight scenes are really cool, really dynamic, well-choreographed, like, right. exciting to watch. I agree. It's just the, like, character motivation behind half of it is batshit.
0: <laughs> right. Um, Polly, though, I, this bothers me is that she's defeated in both the dumbest way possible, but also the most gruesome
1: way possible. Yeah, they don't even show it.
0: Well, they kind of do. They show like but they half don't show of it. what it would actually look like afterwards. All right. Which be so. What happens is Polly is about to fire a you know a an explosion beam from her head, and then. Yin takes her armor and then smashes it over her head in such a way that she's, like, encased her head in metal, and then I guess what happens is her head just explodes and splatters on the inside of this metal helmet.
1: Yeah, it's pretty gruesome.
0: And it's so dumb. Like, that's how you... De- that, like, that works to defeat her? She doesn't have I some mean, kind of resistance to explosions?
1: Okay, but, like, Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man was defeated in quite a similar way.
0: Well, no, it's different. Like, that was something that, you know, was... You know, he has, like, a weak point on his head where, where if you strike it, he might, he might accidentally self-destruct. You know, it's sort of like a, you know... In, like, Dungeons & Dragons, you know, you would have a weak spot on a character that's really hard to hit. And then if you hit that spot, then, yeah, you might, you know, he might backfire or whatever. But this is a little different. It's just like, oh, you just put anything over this person's head and the explosion will explode them.
1: I mean, it's got to be it's like something it's, that can contain-ish an explosion. You know, if you put a sack over their head, that's not going to do anything. Like Okay,
0: but a rock or ice or, you know... Anything, like that shouldn't that all work? Anything that you can bend basically, except for fire and air?
1: I don't know. I could see like the argument against ice or rock, like ro- rock is e- easier to break through than metal. You know.
0: Not easier to break through than a head.
1: <laughs> metal.
0: Well, no, I'm saying a rock is harder to explode through than a head. Sure. So, so if you put rock. A, an explosion I, next to a rock <laughs> and a head and one of them explodes, then the other one is for sure going to explode.
1: Um, Alright, yes. Like, it's, it's kind of fucked up. But I, I It's don't kind have...
0: of goofy looking, it's kind of dumb, it's kind of gruesome, it's, it's a kind of goofy. a lot of things, but one thing it's not is satisfying.
1: Okay. I mean, what would have been a satisfying end for any of these characters, though? We barely know them.
0: I don't know, It's but it's, I feel like there could be something other than this. I mean... Just, like, unceremoniously killing off this character who's just had a tiny bit of backstory earlier in the episode is not what I would call satisfying. Right. And then, sure, like, Zaheer is upset. You've basically fridged this character for the purpose of developing Zaheer, your actual villain.
1: Right, to give him a superpower.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, literally, it's like, oh, yeah, kill the love interest and then you get the superpower. Like,
1: the wildly underdeveloped love interest, too. Of course. Really, Really transparent.
0: It's not good. Um, Ghazan has his eleventh line of the show.
1: He Ghazan talks is, a lot in these like last three episodes.
0: Well, mainly just in the next episode. He's got two lines in this one, which are just guess Zahir doesn't need a ride because he can fly. <laughs> and then later on he asks him, How can you fly? <laughs> Those are his two lines for the episode. They could have been said by anybody, and they do nothing to characterize him.
1: Yep. Yep. Um,
0: So, guess who's a lava bender?
1: It's Bolin. He's a lava bender. But why
0: should he need to be a lava bender again? I don't understand this. I
1: don't know.
0: Lava bending, to me, seems like the ability to create lava is the main aspect of it, not the ability to bend lava. It seems like you should still be able to bend lava just as an earthbender but I guess right. you can't.
1: I mean... I guess I'll accept it. It Like, it's fine, but, like, I feel like they were like, oh, everyone else can do all these special things. We gotta give Bolin something. And it's like, no, you need to give Asami something to do. Like, Bolin can still
0: earn that Well, I think you could give <laughs> everybody something Asami. more to do, at least in this, like, because this finale just doesn't... It doesn't work for any of the characters except for maybe Cora because she's the central focus of this one. I mean, it doesn't really involve the other 3 at all.
1: Right. They're just sort of there. I mean, they get
0: into fights, but like there's nothing about them that makes them best suited to fight off these baddies, you know, right. except for I guess now. Now Bolin is the best because he's a lava bender too.
1: Right. And, you know, there's, um, he, he basically finds out he's yeah. a lava bender in this episode, and then in the, in the next episode, which I'm assuming takes place, like, two hours after all the shit in the previous episode, <laughs> <laughs> he, he he runs into Gazan again, and Gazan is like, ugh, you, you've changed since the last time we fought. I'm like, it was two hours ago! <laughs> like, this should either well, be- Well, they didn't
0: really fight that much that time. I mean, I guess. They just kind of- Got lava bended at. Um, wasn't much of a fight. At the end of this this second part, there's just excruciating exposition happening. I mean, it's all stuff that we've seen already, and it's just being shown that they're communicating this to the other members of the team. It's right. really insane. It's like, I can lava bend now, so here can fly. We need a plan.
1: This is Kuvira. I saw an
0: airship near a cave. This is <laughs> Kuvira. There's more Red Lotus people. Oogie's back. Okay, now let's go save Korra. Right. Like, all of this stuff is just like given in a line. It's not Yeah. Ugh. Whatever.
1: <laughs> no, I'm like I'm with you all the way. It's frustrating. It's it doesn't feel satisfying. I mean it's just
0: exposition of things we already know, followed by Kai saying one thing that we don't know, but that doesn't really make any sense, which is that he apparently off screen followed Zaheer, who had recaptured all of the airbenders and taken them somewhere. Yeah. Where he was, like, unconscious, I thought, but, you know, it is what it is.
1: It is what it is. Um, yeah, so... Um, so Korra's
0: all chained up.
1: Yeah. Right? Are are we into the, the the last episode now Venom of the Red Lotus? No, we're still in oh God. part 2. That's still ha- that happens in part yeah. 2.
0: Yeah. So she's all chained up and she's in a cave and she's sort of like got her arms and then but for some reason they attached the chains to rock. Yeah. Which will later be their grand weakness is that uh, you know, you can't bend platinum but you can bend, bend rock. rock.
1: That the platinum is in.
0: Right. Um and then Cora's like, you killed my father. Bah! And die. then shoots fire breath.
1: Yeah. Bah! He's very mad about it.
0: And then Zaheer's like, bring the poison.
1: <laughs> it is a very stupid line.
0: Bring the poison. And there's all these hooded guys, and they're like, we've got poison. And then they metal bend the poison, because it's, it's metal poison. Yeah.
1: It, like it's gotta be like keep that Mercury in mind or something oh my god <laughs> yes um <laughs> but so yeah so so now she's like poisoned and what have you and is basically in her
0: it's like an it's like an intramuscular poison so it goes in through her muscles um which is sounds like a very painful way to inject a poison yeah um then we're on to book three, episode 13, Venom of the Red Lotus. And I'd just like to recall, if you recall our spider episode of TARDIS Tropes, <laughs> venom, venom is when it bites you, but poison is if you bite it. Yeah. So it's not venom, it's poison. A flower can't have venom unless it's like a, you know, uh, what do you call it? A Venus, Venus flytrap. Fly yeah.
1: Yeah, but like, is 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 that the metaphor that they're like sticking with? That it's because they keep calling it. Well, I don't know. They call it poison, but the episode is just called venom. So maybe they just wrote the wrong, wrong word because <laughs> it sounded cooler. That sounds um, like right yeah. for Cora. You know, aesthetics venom over venom of the red lotus. A- yeah, aesthetics over any actual like substance or plot cohesion for sure
0: so this poison it's a very (laughs) it's a very complicated object in the world of of the avatar and it's which makes it odd that it was never introduced before this because it's so complicated first of all it's metal so you can bend it which is important for later also it's designed to activate the avatar state and then kill you before the avatar state stops thus ending the avatar cycle
1: Wait, does it, was the poison designed to do that or I thought they were going to kill her before it it like took full effect?
0: Okay, so that would make sense, but at the end when she's dying from the poison specifically, so here says it's too late. So that means that his plan is succeeding, which means that it must be killing her while she's in the Avatar Mm -hmm. state, which is evidenced by her eyes still being glowing and her quickly fading and dying. Um, So all of that happens. And then also something to keep in mind that we don't learn until after this episode is that if it's in your system, like even a tiny little bit, it will cause you to be disabled and then
1: have flashbacks later
0: on have flashbacks and all kinds of other weird effects that we will not explore in this episode, but it's a very complicated poison that I'm surprised <laughs> they did not introduce earlier. Uh,
1: because so they... Janora
0: learns all this information cause she astral projects, yeah. which we haven't seen her do since maybe like episode three of this season or something. Right, It's been a while. Um, but thank God she did because now she knows the information that we already know.
1: <laughs> right, and we don't have to hear. Does she tell it to more people in this in this episode? Yeah, I, like, for sure.
0: I mean, she passes it on, but it's just it's no, not important but we don't see, for do anything. Do we
1: see her do it though? That's what I'm asking. I don't. I think I don't we even do. Remember. I think
0: Ugh. we do. I think she tells everybody in her little you know, locked up and chained to the floor group. And then they all just escape in like the easiest way possible. You know, they just like trick a guard and like steal his keys and and then then everybody else shows up anyway and frees them. So they didn't really need to steal the keys even. It's like a totally unnecessary bit. It's like they did, they were so good at like tricking them and like putting the, the, um, the airbender somewhere that you wouldn't be able to find them and, you know, cornering people so that they wouldn't be able to escape when they were at the air temple. And now they're just like in an easily accessible cave.
1: Right. It doesn't... Like they
0: really screwed up the second half of this plan.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and you also get just like... I will say, I do like the one guard who's like pissed that he's on on like guard duty. He's like, I could hold a bowl of poison. Why can't I watch the avatar die? I like that guard. Ugh. It's fine. You can dislike it. Doesn't
0: doesn't do anything for me.
1: It's fine. <laughs> this, Listen, uh, I'm grasping th- at breadcrumbs.
0: I I hear you. You don't grasp at breadcrumbs, you grasp at straws. Alright, I'm grasping
1: so at straws.
0: So Cora is <laughs> I'm I'm nitpicking. That's what I'm <laughs> in the mood for. So Korra's like writhing in pain and hallucinating about her former villains, Unalak Vatu and Aman. Um, and they're all chanting, let go, let go, let go. There's no need for an avatar anymore, blah, 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 which is like a weird thing for her to be thinking about now. Um, I guess, I guess because she's like thinking, well, would it be so bad if the, if the avatar cycle died here? I don't know what it, I mean, what is her role in this world?
1: I don't. Re- I like. I truly don't know. There is no
0: I answer. Mean, she certainly doesn't have like a cohesive moral uh, sense of duty or uh, you know moral compulsion. You know why? Why should just one random person every seventy years be given the opportunity to basically determine geopolitics for the you know for the duration of their life?
1: Right. It's it's. A I mean, like, real sucks if
0: Cora dies, but like. Uh, the Avatar, as you know, in this particular type of world, where everything is is more controlled by, you know, there's more democratically elected governments, there's more, um, you know intergovernmental peacemaking and, and diplomacy, like, what real reason is there for Korra anymore? I mean, the boundaries between the spirits and, and humans have been completely resolved, right? Like,
1: right. And spirits
0: are in the human world now. And,
1: and as far as we've seen, besides some initial angst in, like, the first episode of this season, we've done nothing else with, like, spirits now really being here and seeing that affect the world in any, like, majorly powerful way. It's it's right. like it's I mean it's nothing. just not a
0: good sign when I am also doubting the the efficacy of having a spiritual leader who is typically a teenager <laughs> who's angsty and is very easy to control by, you know, major governments. Excuse
1: me. Uh yeah, like I I I agree.
0: <laughs> you know, she works with the police. She works with she works with the United Republic police specifically. She works with you know the leader of the Air Nation against the leader of the Earth Nation, you know. Uh-huh. It's like she's very easy to be manipulated to a particular political side.
1: Right, like that's the entire point if there is going to be a point of season 2. It was how easily Cora's manipulated into other people's political schemes, you know. Like Right, she just is like, oh, I'm I'm on the southern tribe side. Now I'm on the northern tribe side. Now I'm neutral. Right. <laughs> and it's like you're nothing. And of course,
0: v- you're nothing. And of course, visually we have to point out that in all of these shots, Cora's face is contorted into so the terrifying. most disturbing. Like, I mean, this show is is cannot claim like it's a kid's show. You don't have to think about it as an excuse anymore Mm-mm. because this stuff is disturbing visually. And they it's not tr- pleasant to watch. they
1: were trying to be like more adult. Like that was their whole goal with Cora is like, like for some reason, Mike and Brian were like, I-, I hate that. The thing that we're really good at is making a great kid's show. We we're going to make something edgy and dark and, gritty and right which is just
0: that the the, the 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 avatar is on a drug trip and is you know making faces of abject horror right at, it's riverdale at the possibility of her own demise it's
1: riverdale you know it barely connects i
0: don't know about that but <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's
0: let's move on from the face
1: yeah yeah anyway um yeah i wrote down so
0: there's three main fights
1: yeah so many fights
0: there's three main ones. There's Korra versus Zahir, there's Bolin versus Gazan, and there's Mako versus Mingwa.
1: I mean, I feel. Like Which so you like, want to talk
0: about first? Because they all piss me off. Let's
1: do Mako versus Mingwa because I feel like that one is the least like developed. Like it's a cool fight that happens, but I feel like more attention is paid no. It's the two.
0: most stupid of the three. I think. I think it's I mean, the dumbest. It ends
1: the dumbest.
0: Well, there's just nothing to it because it ends the way it could have began. It could have, it could have, the ending could have come seven episodes ago. I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts. So Mako is fighting Ming-Wan is like, you're out of water because I burned all your water away, I guess.
1: (laughs) And then Uh, she jumps down a hole into like a watery cave section.
0: And it's like, uh uh-oh, what's Mako going to do now? And he's like, wait a minute. What if water I- is strong against fire <laughs> but lightning is strong against water it's pokemon rules yep. and so he just shoots lightning at her and she dies instantly
1: in like also a kind of terrifying way like visually it's it's not like pleasant. Right, but I mean,
0: like, can you imagine if this if this had happened in some kind of way in like the original Avatar where where we always have to talk about whether a villain is deserving of death and we have to grapple yeah. with their humanity first? No, we never learn anything about Ming Hua other than she might have had a crush on Gazan, Gazan at some point. Right. And that she was locked in prison for, for fifteen years. Uh so she gets shot with lightning and dies instantaneously Mm -hmm. which she could have done in the last fight they had or the fight before that or the fight before that because Mako's always had the ability to shoot lightning it's not a new power for him
1: right he starts out in season 1 episode (sighs) 1 lightning boy
0: why didn't he use it before? oh because it would have ended the fight instantly yep very very upsetting, very stupid, and then Mako just has this look of relief on his face, and it just looks like, why didn't I not think of that earlier? I'm an idiot. <laughs>
1: stupid cop. Um, all right, let's do right. Mako Gazan, or not Mako Gazan, Bolin Gazan. Let's do Bolin, Bolin Gazan.
0: Well, Mako shows up halfway through because he finishes his fight with Minghua almost <laughs> instantly, yeah. while Bolin's still just starting his fight with Gazan. Right. So Gazan has his last lines. <laughs> And they'll, they're the last lines he'll ever speak because he says, I'm remembering the last time we fought. You know, you're different than last time. And he's like, you don't know how different. I'm a lava bender. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, ah, so that's how you got out of the temple. And then he says nothing for a while. And there's a bunch of boring lava bender versus lava bender fights. That's
1: not that boring. It's
0: not that interesting. Your al- well, I don't know, it's not as interesting as when it was a Lava Bender versus Earth Bender, right. where it was, you know, Bolin's, like, flinging rocks, and every time he's, like, melting them in the air. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, like, a real challenge for him. But now they're, like, basically evenly matched. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's like it's
0: not a come from behind, it's just he's doing totally fine and holding his own,
1: right? Because we don't get any arc for Bolin actually becoming a lava bender, he just like failed at metal bending and then found is out he could it, do this, and then is good at it, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, okay, but it, it's just not my favorite fight. It's not that interesting. Like, all the right. other fight, Mako versus Miwa ended instantly. This one just ke- seems to kind of drag on for a little bit yeah. without really developing or changing. And then Mako shows up, and then he's like, I'm outnumbered. I'm never going back to prison. If I die, you'll die too. And then he just buries himself in lava for no reason. And Bolin and Mako just walk away. Yeah. And it doesn't affect them at all.
1: Yeah. There's no
0: threat of them getting buried. Uh, yeah. So he he dies, he for doesn't no get reason. his revenge. You know, he just commits suicide and there's no discussion of it. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Hmm. Um
1: all right, so I guess it's So time 15 for lines
0: total for for Gazan over the course of 13 episodes. Most
1: developed character ever. Got to love yep. Gazan. I'm glad
0: I kept count of his lines. It I really, too. I mean, that is really sad. It's, that's so sad for a character
1: yeah. that's supposed to be
0: one of our main villains. It's
1: also not like Ming-Hua got that many more. You know, I think she started out stronger than Kazan, but like definitely as time wore yeah, on. Yeah, I don't even
0: know. I didn't count the other ones, but I'm sure that they var- like, they varied. I think Ming-Hua probably had like 16 or 17. I think Pali might have had less. She might have had like 10 mm-hmm.
1: lines. Ugh, yeah.
0: It's not, it's not good characterization. No.
1: Nope. You can't have three of your main so antagonists not speak.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it's not good. So now we're we're up to our main fight with Zaheer.
1: Cora so just gets knocked out. Korra goes on the into rocks. the
0: Avatar State as planned. What?
1: Well yeah, so she gets into the like, avatar state and then she like punches him a few times and then gets thrown around on rocks for like the rest of the fight.
0: Yeah. For the rest of it, I, I'm not sure if I if I just saw this wrong, but does she just smash the platinum with her foot?
1: No, I don't think she does. Because
0: her foot chains are not wrapped around her her what? legs the way that the arm chains are wrapped around her arms. Mm, Remember? Yeah, her leg chains are just just the just the cuffs. So it looks like she just smashed it with her foot. I think I think everybody should go back and take a look at that episode and see if it's not that. But if it is that, then why couldn't she just do that?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Or smash it with a rock or whatever, you know?
1: Or many, many Very other things. Very frustrating. Yeah. Again, this, like, final... So Korra can
0: fly as well. She's with not fire. in any weakness from Zaheer.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, with fire, not with air. But, like, it's it's the same thing. So, like, why is Zaheer being able to fly? He's not a real threat, right. Zaheer. I mean he can he can he can make your he can take your breath away but like in any fight with like any number of people he he would lose you know he just you he might be able to win one on one with a non bender he's not a real threat to korra in any way other than the fact that she's poisoned i Wait. mean literally they have like 50 people there they, they have all the airbenders <laughs> they have a bunch of cops they have an army they've got a, uh, private, you know, a army. private army owned by Suyin yeah they got what?
1: No, I was just saying exactly that. Like, they've got Suyin's private army from Mayor Co, the city, <laughs> whatever it <Yeah>. is. <laughs> um, yeah. uh,
0: it's, it's very upsetting, especially since the whole point of Zaheer's, like, I- ideology is that at the end of the day, everything comes down to force. And when you have the larger army and the larger military, you get to control everybody and you get to decide who's free and who's not. You get to decide who goes to jail, who dies and who lives and who goes free. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Uh, It's very disturbing uh, of an ending to a season and it doesn't seem like they really grapple with it. They're just like, well, they're the terrorists. They have to be stopped.
1: (laughs) Right. But it's like, it's the same bullshit they do with like, the the equalists in the end because it's just like oh well he's bad you know like
0: right but at the end of the day I mean like because that it, they never really grappled with that ideology in the first place right. so it's not as devastating when they just ignore it for the finale because he's a bad guy and the bad guys have to be stopped. Right. And also they don't kill him or imprison him. They just try and catch him and he gets away. And then he gets killed by his own brother in a weird <laughs> like epilogue scene.
1: Yeah.
0: But you know, it's not as bad. And of course like unaloc got blown up by spirit lasers. <laughs> so like that doesn't count as like direct murder, but like here three of the people get just straight up murdered. Right. One of them fridged. And then Zaheer gets arrested when his whole ideology is about freedom.
1: Yeah. It's I really mean,
0: disturbing. I mean,
1: you could maybe rightfully say at that point that, like, yeah, we should arrest Zaheer. <laughs> He's, like, kidnapped a lot of people and attempted murder. But, like, I understand. Sure, but,
0: I mean, but they are the ones who wrote him doing that. That doesn't seem like something that he would do based on you know, the previous thing, and the it seems like what he would do is continue to try and kill world leaders, but they wanted to force him into an early conflict with Korra. Right. Um, you know, so that he would fight her prematurely and then everyone would just gang up on him and he loses.
1: Right. And ultimately like the biggest fault of this is that yes, Korra fights here, but they never have to actually grapple with like his ideology at all. You know, which was right. way more fleshed out than any of the other ideologies that we've come into contact with.
0: Right. I mean, consider a potential ending is like maybe the final fight takes place in the Earth Kingdom. And at the end, Zaheer gets taken down by the rioters, you know, um, who are still loyal to the old ways. Right. And it's still kind of a tragic ending because, you know, his ideology was wrong. And it's it turns out that people are, are too loyal to uh, to monarchs to be able to think for themselves. But at least it's, you know, engaging with the ideology instead right. of just being like, you're bad.
1: <laughs> so right. how
0: is he defeated?
1: Um, God, I'm like, I, I, oh, the airbenders make the giant tornado. That's what happens. Yep. All, all the airbenders yep. work together. Just a bunch of
0: airbenders walk in a circle and there's a giant anything. tornado that sucks
1: him in. And then Cora throws him to the ground after catching him in her chain. And then uh, that's about it.
0: It's not a very engaging fight. It's not a really heroic ending. It's just a literal army of airbenders can beat one airbender.
1: Yep. Which I feel like is supposed to be some sort of thing. It's like working together is better than anarchy. But it's like there there are versions of... Well, no... (laughs) Anarchy. He was
0: never against forming an alliance exactly. I and mean, he's supposed to be working with the entire red lotus. Exactly. I mean he's not an individualist, he's an anarchist. He doesn't believe in hierarchies. Right. You know, it's just maybe that's a, an unwillingness to engage with the the ideology, but anyway, that's where we are.
1: <laughs> that's where we are. Um, yeah, and then, you know, we get the worst line ever from Genora.
0: You can save her. The poison's metallic.
1: Yep. That's it.
0: Because Cora's dying of poison. In her
1: father's arms. But,
0: but since the poison is metallic, you can just rip it out of her body. You know?
1: Yep.
0: That shouldn't be painful or damaging to her at all. I mean, and uh, like,
1: my guess... Should be fine. My guess is, like, you know, so it, it's sort of just, like, absorbed in through her her skin, but... You know, Su Lin brings it out, like, of her mouth. So my guess is you collect it in, like, the stomach or something. Or
0: Well, it just... looked like it was going in through her muscles, not through her skin well, into her bloodstream. It looked like it was sort of, like, paralyzing her or something. I which don't is, know. you know, why she ends up uh, with that disability at the end of the, the season. But even but if it's
1: in your muscles, I, that's still part of your, like, bloodstream.
0: But if it's in your bloodstream, how does it come out through your mouth?
1: You collect all of it in the stomach, and then you pull it up through the throat, so it doesn't have to go. How does it through get from
0: the bloodstream to the stomach? Metal Is your bending. stomach bleeding?
1: No, I'm saying she, Su, Su-Yin. Right, but
0: if you pull all the metal out of someone's bloodstream and into their stomach, that's gonna puncture their stomach.
1: I, I don't know, dude. <laughs>
0: The science of this just boggles my mind, which is exactly why you should not bank your entire finale on this weird object. I mean, that has such ill-defined qualities.
1: I, like, I I can suspend my disbelief enough, you know. Like,
0: well, I'm not I'm not there yet.
1: <laughs> like, I I, I don't, I'm not like. How could they get it out of her? It's impossible. Like, like it's fine. Yeah. What, whatever.
0: And then Bolin. Puts a sock gag in Zaheer's mouth because he's a he's a fool. He's a he's a silly character. Also, he's like, a goose.
1: Like what is Zaheer yelling about at the end? He's like the revolution has already begun. Chaos will reign. And it's like, yeah, but will it? You took out one world leader. Like. Zuko's an old dude who was like, well, hanging well, I mean, we do see people. that
0: in like the next season, there was apparently a long, a long running three year period of just total chaos in the Earth Kingdom,
1: but only in the Earth Kingdom, like um, you know, which to be fair is large, but
0: well, yeah, but he's saying that that revolution will lead to new revolutions okay. and, and more and more. He's wrong,
1: yeah, but
0: I mean that's just the, the show's idea is that eventually everything will return to order because order is the same thing as balance.
1: Well, I mean, it sort of is not totally in love with order and uh, certainly in this season, well, yeah. yes, but then it, it,
0: I guess we'll see next season. I <laughs> we'll have season. to say about authoritarianism.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So then we've got our final scene. Do you want to take this one?
1: Yeah, so, you know, Cora's healed-ish, you know, she's in a wheelchair now, and looks pretty fucking wrecked after that whole ordeal. Um, and Asami's basically helping her get ready for some big event that we later find out is Jinora's, uh like, arrow bestowal ceremony? I don't know exactly what... Her, yeah, her, her bat mitzvah. Yeah, it's her her bat mitzvah, her air bat mitzvah, um, which like is is kind of nice, uh, Janora getting her arrows. But like, there's this terrible scene before that with the president of Republic City, who's like, "Ah, oh, Korra, now more than ever, we need you." And then like, as soon as she got, she's gone. Is like, the Avatar's not gonna be in a wheelchair forever, is she? <laughs> That's fucked up. Right.
0: I mean, well, basically, what he's saying is okay, well, we defeated one terrorist, but there will always, always be more terrorists that need to be defeated, more secret spies that need to be hunted out, and that's the Avatar's role, is as a preserver of national power now, mm -hmm. not as a wielder of power for the the purposes of the Earth or for nature or or for spiritual balance. It's
1: residents, you know, like the people. Or
0: even for people, yeah. It's, It's literally just... Stop the terrorists because the terrorists are bad because they're terrorists. Right. And and she can't do that if she's in a wheelchair it's, because...
1: It's literally just homeland now, you know? It's, it's like, just homeland How now. How is Carrie going to protect the U.S. from terrorists if she's on crazy meds or not on her crazy meds, you know? Right. Like, how is Korra going right. to protect
0: it's, it's not good. Republic
1: I, City if she's in a because wheelchair?
0: Because an avatar should be able to be in a wheelchair. There shouldn't be any reason why an avatar can't be in a wheelchair. Absolutely. Because an avatar she's a is fucking... a spiritual leader, not just a combatant.
1: Right. And, like, there's goddamn bending in this world. She can still earth bend. She can still air bend. Like, she could have a rocket fucking wheelchair. You know, like... Being in a wheelchair right. should not be this like end all be all like terrible curse for her. Um It
0: just seems insane to me yeah. to end the show with the image of Cora in a wheelchair just letting go a single tear. Not a tear of joy at like Janora gaining this, you know, milestone mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Tenzin saying that now the the Airbenders will n- nomadically journey around the Earth helping people, right? But literally, just I'm sad that I'm in a wheelchair,
1: <laughs> right? I I mean, I didn't read it necessarily as like I'm sad I'm in a wheelchair, but just like I went through some traumatic shit, and so I'm just traumatized. Like like I don't I don't hate the tear, but but I agree that. You know there's there's some not great messaging going on as far as like disability uh yeah, like apparently narratives. the
0: air temple also is not wheelchair accessible, I know, despite I... the fact that, like you know we've we've had airbender or like flying air um acolyte people who are who have disabilities, right. like Tio.
1: Like, it's wild to me how much worse on this topic Cora is than, uh, like, Avatar ever was, you know? Like, right? Like it's, it's just...
0: I mean, we'll get to shame. how they address her recovery next season, and I think it's more complicated. Like, it's not just good or bad, it's just sort of complicated. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as this episode is concerned, it's a real downer of an ending. It
1: really is. The, the one positive note is that Asami's like, if you need anything, I'm here for you. And, like, holds her hand and, like, stares lovingly into and her does eyes. her hair. Yeah. And,
0: you know, she's just, like, her caretaker. Yeah. It's not very romantic.
1: I don't know. It's kind of cute. That's, like, a whole, like, uh, fic subgenre. <laughs> I'm, like, not even joking. There's a, f- like, fan... No, it is. Yeah. It's just a
0: very disturbing one. Yeah. Caretaker person in a wheelchair fan fiction I
1: mean it's not just a wheelchair but yeah um, anyway so that's the end of season 3 of Korra next Ugh. next week I mean they,
0: they really had a shot this time they that's what did. bugs me because book 2 I didn't really express the same amount of rage as I am for this well, because one there's
1: because there's nothing book 2 to get was mad not good about. it's just garbage all the way through this one it starts out not great and then it gets pretty darn good in the middle there and then,
0: I even think the start was okay. I didn't eh. have a problem really with the start. I just, there are just moments of like weirdness and badness, like the whole, you know, Lin backstory bullshit and, you know, taking a break from the plot to, to just hang out in Fu or hang out in the earth kingdom for a while. Or hang out but, in
1: the fucking air temple. Like there's a lot of,
0: right. Well, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of just filler. bullshit and filler. Like but that's the thing is like
1: you've got a 13 episode season And, like, you're going to fill the middle chunk of that season with really great, interesting, compelling, like, ideas. But because you've wasted half of your episodes already, like, you're going to end on this, like, piece of crap (laughs) note. Because you didn't flesh out any of the other villains. You didn't really take time to interrogate this ideology and, like, set up, like, an actual ideological conflict for uh this final fight scene it's just kidnappers and i want to kill the avatar forever you know like it's it's just they had the space to do it and they didn't and it's disappointing
0: i think that it's just after book three of avatar the last airbender the creators cannot stick a landing
1: yeah You,
0: you need to stick the landing it's very important to stick the landing you do. and you can't just have a depressing ending that like isn't a <laughs> cliffhanger, you know, like book two ended with a downer, but it was setting up potential hope for the future All Right. with a, cl- and there was a cliffhanger. This is just a downer,
1: right? There's no like, you know, I think you could try to argue that the, you know, air nomads, going around the world is supposed to sort of be our, our like edge of hope. But because we're so focused on Cora and like Cora's, you know, issues with everything and Cora's internal life that we're not allowed to actually feel that joy. I think, I guess like you were saying that, you know, she's not shedding tears of joy. She's setting, shedding tears of sadness. And so that's what we're left with. I'm wrecked. Ugh, all right. Well, hopefully you I've guys been wrecked. <laughs> are not shedding tears of sadness at uh, everything right now. Um, we'll we'll be back at, at you in two weeks with uh, another one of these. We'll, we'll continue on with season three of Avatar and and kick off season four of Korra. Um, tweet at us at Talking Tropes if you have any thoughts or, or comment on this uh, this post wherever you see it. Give us a, a rating and if you like it, then we'll we'll see you later.
0: Yeah, Hannah, I've been working so hard. Yeah. I'm punching my card. Eight hours for what? Oh, tell me what I got. Oh my god. Now I gotta cut loose, foot loose. <laughs>
1: Bring us home on something good.
0: Kick off the Sunday shoes. Okay, goodbye. Please, Luke. I can Pull me off of my knees. <laughs>